Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> I'm Pastor Christopher Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center. That's in Random Lake, Wisconsin. So glad to have you here with us today for our congregation of prayer. We continue our consideration of Saint, uh, from St. Saint Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount of Jesus, and uh, yeah, laying up treasures for yourselves, not on earth, but in heaven. We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Psalm 82. God has taken his place in the divine council. In the midst of the gods he holds judgment. How long will you judge unjustly, and show partiality to the wicked? Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. They have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. I said, you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, like men, you shall die, and fall like any prince. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. We say our memory verse for this week. Abraham believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Genesis 15, verse 6. Now our catechism for this week. How can water do such great things? Certainly not just water, but the word of God in and with the water does these things, along with the faith which trusts this word of God in the water. For without God's word, the water is plain water and no baptism, but with the word of God it is a baptism, that is, a life-giving water, rich in grace and a washing of the new birth in the Holy Spirit, as St. Paul says in Titus chapter 3. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. Our first reading for today is from Isaiah chapter 12. And in that day you shall say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for Yah the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day you will say, Praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his deeds among the peoples, Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry and cry out and shout, O inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in your midst. There ends the reading. I have a hard time uh, reading it from New King James because I learned to sing it from uh, the service of morning excuse me, of a prayer and preaching, which we sang, sang in our chapel uh, at St. John School. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I have the wrong words in my head. Well, wrong translation. All right. Uh, our reading for Matthew chapter 6. 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Here ends our reading. You can see how well this dovetails to with what we were talking about yesterday about prayer and charity and um, you know love for neighbor, all right. And then uh, also right away, I mean, verse nineteen, we're picking up right where we left off with verse eighteen. Uh, yesterday, you remember that the the end of our reading had to do with fasting, right, um, and not letting your neighbor know about your fasting that you don't fast uh, for them necessarily, all right. Uh, Why do you think then Jesus begins the discussion today with discussing treasures on earth? This is again directly following the discussion about fasting, and I think it's a continuation of the same subject. Again, Jesus is teaching that man does not live by bread alone, but again, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Right? We don't live by bread alone, we don't live by the treasures of this of this world. What happens to earthly treasures? All of them, by the way. Except for maybe your your plastic stuff. <laughs> yeah, that turns into flotillas on the ocean. Now, what happens to earthly treasures? They decay, they are destroyed, or what else? They are stolen, right? You see that in verse 20. How is that descriptive phrase that we've heard repeatedly um, through our reading of the Sermon on the Mount, in heaven, which you see there, in verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. How is it usually applied in this chapter? What's it referring to? Well, it's usually applied in connection uh, with the Father, right? And in the Lord's Prayer, 
to ask that on earth as that uh, it be on earth as it is with the Father in heaven, right? So it has to do with, with not just heaven, but where the Father is. What treasure do we need to store up then? Who is the Father's dearest treasure? <laughs> that should be our treasure too. Yeah, that's Jesus, right? The Christ child. Think about um, how the Magi gave up their treasures in order to treasure Jesus, right? Matthew 2. Um, think also what will come up later in Matthew 12. Where in Matthew 12? 35. Yeah. Either make the tree good, we heard this, and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? Remember we talked about good and evil a few days ago? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. All right, so out of the good treasure he brings forth good things. That is, out of Jesus do good things come forth. Um, how do verses 12 and 14 of chapter 6, which you can't see on your screen, um, those were our readings earlier this week, how do they help us understand this reading? I'll read them for you again. Um, verse 12 was, and forgive our debts, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors from the Lord's Prayer. Then 14, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. How does that better help us understand the treasure that is Jesus, or Jesus for you? Yeah, the treasure of Jesus is that your sins are forgiven in his name, right? And forgiven before the Father. Why do you think here um, the heart is mentioned? Treasures in him for where your treasure is, verse 21, there your heart will be also. What tells you know, maybe a little bit more about the heart. How is the heart referred to in the in Matthew's gospel in particular? Oh, Jesus his catechesis on on the heart. It's primarily chapter 15, which is a debate over tradition. Um, I don't know if I want to read the whole thing, but I'll read maybe parts of it here for you. It began this way. Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, <clears throat> Why do your disciples transgress the <coughs> excuse me, the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And he said, uh, then he talks about traditions, right? When he called the multitude to himself, he then said to them, Hear and understand, not what goes into the mouth defiles the man, but what comes out of the mouth defiles the man. Right, And then he talks about um, this parable that he gives to them about the blind man leading the blind man in the, into the ditch. Are you still not without understanding? Do you not understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? <laughs> Even a little bit more anatomical detail here for them. But the, those things which proceed out of the mouth, here it is, come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. 
These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands, remember that was the context, does not defile a man. I think that's helpful. Um, Think also, again, of Matthew 18. So my heavenly Father will do to each of you, remember this is the unforgiving um, servant, so my heavenly Father will do to each of you if you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Okay, so according to Matthew, the heart is the place where sin comes forth. All right. <laughs> but our hearts are now, by being both justified and sanctified by Christ Jesus, are called to hold fast to the treasure of Christ. And specifically that treasure is, again, the one in whom we have forgiveness of sins. And if, that, if he is within our heart, forgiving our sins, then how can we not also then out of our mouths come forgiveness, the words of forgiveness for our neighbor too. All right. I, I'm reminded of uh, the anecdote from uh, The Hammer of God by Bo Garrett's uh, wonderful uh, novel, uh, fictional, but also very practical and um, close to home. <laughs> There's a, a, I get the context right, the priest um, who's kind of a pietist priest, so he trusts more in his own piety than he does in the Word of God, um, is talking to a layperson who's, who's faithful. And uh, the the pastor wrongly says, you know, you need to give your your heart over to God. <laughs> and the layman says, well, why would he want that old, you know, rusty thing, right? Yeah, the, the, the seat of sin, why would he want that? Well, of course he would want that, to forgive it, right? Yeah. All right, so then um, it kind of changes gears a little bit, but uh, gives another way of illustrating. Jesus does this often, not only with parables, but with illustrations where he'll just flow one into the next, um, just trying to tease out all the possible ways you can understand maybe the, the, the simple truth that he's teaching, right? But using illustration. So here he uses the example of a lamp. And what does a lamp do? Excuse me, lamp gives light, right? And then what sense is connected with the eye? The sense that's connected with the eye is sight, right? So um, the little literal order of this verse, verse 22, is the lamp of the body is the eye, right? So as you see in King, New King James Version, sometimes it's translated differently. But here, that's, that's literally what it says. Why should you begin with the lamp, not with the eye or with the body? Yeah, think of Psalm 119, right? Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path, right? Or think also of, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 17, is that right? No, I'm going to say Matthew. No, earlier we heard this, right? Matthew 5, yeah. Uh, When he said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Yeah. Uh, the question in the in the chat here is is love in your hearts. Um, according to Matthew, only if Jesus is in your hearts, who is love, right? Yeah. So um, what Jesus does by forgiving sense is he he makes your heart his dwelling place. Hmm. Yeah. So he casts out the unclean spirit, um, and then he dwells in you by his spirit, right? To give you both um, forgiveness of sins, faith, love, you know, all of his gifts. 
Uh, so you think of how St. Paul says it. It's not I who live, but Christ who is in me who does these things, right? Yeah. Hmm. What does the eye then need? Well, maybe we didn't finish talking about the lamp. Your word is a lamp? Yeah, we can't see clearly. I think that's really what Jesus is getting after here. We can't see clearly without the lamp of God's word, which is revealing to us or lightening our eyes with Christ, revealing him to us. Think of like epiphany as the season of light, right? And we see Jesus for who he is. What, what does the eye need in order to be good and pure, according to Jesus? Not bad. Well, then, the eye needs the scriptures, needs Jesus. How is your whole body full of light? Jeez, that's your, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. But if your eyes are enlightened by the light of Christ, then he, he dwells in you, as we talked about. You're full um, of Christ. And you'll see all things then through him. Uh, he becomes like, like your eyeglasses, your, the lens that brings all life into focus for you. Think there, Matthew 17. Yeah, that's right. Um, at the transfiguration, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Hear him. Yeah, sins are still from the heart. <laughs> um, you are justified, declared, forgiven. I'm reading the chat here. Yeah, sins still come from your heart, right? Um, but Christ also is overcoming sin in your heart at the same time. But while you remain in this flesh, yes, um, you, remain, you remain with that sinful heart, right? So uh, you're justified freely for Christ's sake. Eternal life is yours. Heaven is yours. The resurrection of the body is yours. And right now, uh, we live a life of continual repentance, where Jesus um, is continually heard, seen by us, um, overcoming that sin in our heart, day in and day out. And so, think about how Luther instructs us to pray in the morning and evening prayer. Each day we begin asking that we be kept from sin, right? Because we still have that capacity. Um, and at the end of the day, we ask that the Lord forgive us all of our sins, where we have done wrong. Knowing that um, despite the, the power of God that is in us, our sin is also great, um, and we resist and we refuse um, to listen to Jesus. Right? And that's our life today. We're, we're learning, being taught to trust in him for everything good in this life. Um, so then how is the eye bad? We talk about how the eye is good, but the eye is bad. Verse 23 yeah, if the eye is not looking upon Christ in faith, but rather hmm, in unbelief, I guess we would just say, or evil. So we only see things how we want to see them rather than how Christ sees them. So what is the darkness then? Yeah, unbelief le leads to a life not only of sin, but um, to the realm of Satan, if you like. Oh, there's lots of references to this in Matthew's gospel, to the darkness. Um, think about how Matthew, in Matthew 4, quotes Isaiah 42, when he says, the people who sat in darkness, that is in sin and unbelief, have seen a great light, that is the light of Christ. Upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, right, because the darkness leads to death, light has dawned, that is, forgiveness brings life and eternal salvation. <clears throat> 
All right, so that's one example. Um, yeah, maybe we'll do another one too. Matthew eight twelve. You are sons of the kingdom, or the sons of the kingdom will be cast into the outer darkness. There, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The kingdom of Satan. Those sons. Uh, Matthew twenty two is another example. Again, uh, from a parable. Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. The king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into the outer darkness. There there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Right? Um, by the way, when we talk about hell or the realm of Satan or darkness, um, what makes it dark? What makes it hell? Is it like all these eternal punishments being meted out? Or is it, uh, you know, what, what makes it dark? It's the lack of, of Christ, actually, for the forgiveness of sins, right? So um, if you want to know what hell's like, that's when God withholds um, his gracious hand from you, right? When he abandons you or forsaken, forsakes you, which of course he hasn't, <laughs> uh, but that's what hell is like, all right? Yeah, there's more, but we'll, we'll skip ahead. What important truth is stated at the end of verse 24? You, probably, you hear this every summer. We, don't hear, we hear these as like three separate uh, gospel readings throughout the summer, but here it's great to study them all together. Yeah, the important truth is you cannot serve God and mammon. What is mammon? Maybe you've heard a sermon on that. Yeah, according to Webster's Revised Unabridged Dictionary, <laughs> uh, riches. Uh, American English says, uh, wealth regarded as the evil influence or false object of worship and devotion, taken by medieval ri- writers as a name for the devil. Yeah. Um, but in, in the scriptures, it's not used frequently, but it is present. It's a word re- used to refer to possessions, right? So more of a neutral sense or created things, but specifically in a negative sense, against that are used against the creator as opposed to the creator. So sometimes even pictured as a false god. Um, the word in verse 24 translated as uh, no one can serve two masters could be translated as Lord. Right? How does this help our understanding? Yeah, we can have only one Lord, and that's Jesus Christ. Right? So to make you can make um, the stuff of this world into another Lord. Right? that you worship. The word for life in verse 25 um, can be translated as soul. In Greek, it's suke. All right. How might that help us understand this eating and drinking uh, that Jesus is talking about here? What you will eat or what you will drink, not about your body, what you'll put on. Do not worry about your soul. Yeah, the reference to the soul as well as the body points us to not just earthly eating and drinking, right? He says, don't be concerned about that, but rather the eating and drinking of the Lord's Supper. Think about how we pray, um, or, or there's the actually the, the dismissal at, after you receive the Lord's Supper. It says that the, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in body and soul, right? That yes, you receive his body and blood into your mouths for the benefit of your body, right? Especially... Uh, in our confession of the resurrection of the body, but also as as food for the soul, you know, to increase faith towards God and love for one another. All right, so what then, if you translate this as as soul, 
or the, your whole being, if you like, more than just earthly life, um, then what will this body wear? What, you, what will you put on? Think here more in a spiritual sense. Yeah, the wedding clothes that are given to you in your baptism. That's right. So, then we have this uh, statement about the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, right? Um, compare that to what we heard maybe from the Lord's Prayer. What did Jesus, remember his catechesis yesterday, um, or two days ago, I should say, in regards to the Lord's Prayer, what about um, rain and sunshine? Yeah, he causes it to, um, to the sun to shine or the rain to fall upon the just and the unjust alike, or both upon both good and evil, right? And he does the same for the birds. <laughs> they receive what they need. What does Jesus then ask us in verse 26? So, rhetorical question of sorts, but he's leading you then into faith. Are you not of more value than they? And of course, the answer is, of course, you are. <laughs> yeah. Now, what is worry? See that in uh, verse 27. Which of you, by worrying, right? What is worry? Or worry about clothing. Actually, worry is a, is a sort of unbelief. It's a lack of faith. Living or acting as if there is no God who has promised to provide you all these things. Right? So those who are anxious or who worry um, are struggling with, it's unbelief, um, struggling against faith, against belief. Right? So faith... And the reason why um, the means of receiving faith are preserved among us and, and continually received by us is that it actually sets aside anxiety and confesses that we've been taught to pray, that is, or, or as we've been taught to pray, think of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And of course, God gives daily bread to everyone even without their prayers, is what we confess. Yeah. To whom are the lilies compared to? You saw the... Uh, painting of the lilies I had, the watercolor at the beginning. The lilies are compared to Solomon hmm, in all his glory. Why is that an important allusion, do you think? Why mention Solomon? That's right, Solomon was the son of David, right? And who is Jesus but the greater son of David who entrusts himself to his father's care? Uh, what happens to grass? Yeah. Tomorrow it's thrown into the oven, it says. Then how is the flesh of men like grass? You see this? About, excuse me, he closed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven. Well, here maybe bring to bear uh, Psalm 90, right? Yeah. You turn man to destruction and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood, they are like sheep in the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up, and in the evening it is cast down and withers. Right? Yeah, we came from the dust, and to the dust we will return. That's right. Yeah, and if as you recognize worry in your life, 
um, and as you confess that it's a lack of faith, um, don't try to uh, increase faith in your life, looking at the chat here, um, but rather uh, return to the source of faith, return to the word, return um, to the gifts of your, of your baptism, of the, of the Lord's body and blood, which are where Jesus promises to strengthen your faith, right? Or go back and watch the video again and hear God's word as we uh, study it together here. Hmm. So what does Jesus then means when he says um, to them, again, he's talking to the disciples here specifically, will he not clothe, much more clothe you, O you of little faith? He's not telling them that they don't have faith or they don't have enough faith. Um, I think that's sometimes how it's heard, right? But think of uh, his expression about the faith of a mustard seed, right? Which becomes a great tree, right? Um, little or, or much faith isn't less or more, right? When he says little faith, he's saying it's, it's, not, it's not significant in the eyes of the world, um, but it is enough. It is enough, right? Um, remember who you are. Remember what Jesus has said about you, and that will overcome your worry about clothing or food, house or home, even eternal life. We don't actually need to be, um, you know, that faith will overcome actually the concerns about ordinary living. In verse 32, um, don't worry about what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear, for after these things the Gentiles seek who are Gentiles here, in specific, who's he referring to? Not to just, to, not really just to foreigners, but actually to unbelievers. Sometimes it's used in that sense, those who are outside the nation or those outside of faith, right? And they're the ones who worry about these things, but your heavenly Father knows all of them. Right. What is the greatest mark that we will always have what we need for body and soul then? It's what you see in verse 32 and 33. Your father knows these things, but here verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Yeah, that the heavenly father has sent his son Jesus um, to take on your human flesh. Right? And to actually suffer all your worry and anxiety for you. <laughs> all right. And entrust himself to him who judges justly to the Father. How does one then seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Think about what we say in the catechism. How does God's kingdom come? God's kingdom comes when the word of God is taught in its truth and purity. And we, uh, as the children of God, lead holy lives according to it. Right? So, Return to the word, return to the sacraments where the word has been attached um, to signs of water, bread, and wine, right? To the word of absolution. That's how one seeks the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You don't have to go outside. Um, you go, go, go back to, the, to the, the, the source, to the font, right? Back to the place where living water comes forth. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. What is the ultimate? tomorrow. I think we've talked about um, the Christian understanding of time, that we now live in the resurrection. Um, sin and death have already been overcome for us in one sense, right? And that the great tomorrow is the day of resurrection when Christ comes again. Yeah. How does each day then, um, in this life, in this world, have, have enough trouble or evil on its own. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. 
Well, this is another, um, I'd say, Christian confession, is that each day in this world brings more evil, right? Um, there's this myth of progress. Um, we even have people who basically live their whole political life ideology around the idea that we can uh, have like one world government and uh, one, basically like the Tower of Babel, we can, we can all come together and we can all agree upon one thing. Unfortunately, it's going to be what our sinful hearts tell us, um, which is going to be pride and boastfulness and to live apart from God, right? And then to overcome evil by our own reason or strength and not by the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. So um, each day will bring its own set of trouble and probably more than the day before, <laughs> right? Um, maybe it's just an application of that. Uh, I was thinking about the Supreme Court ruling, which you, you may have seen um, two days ago. and. Uh, Recent, recently appointed justices that um, I think our people thought would be uh, more conservative-leaning and protect the interests especially of um, the Constitution, but, but then the way the Constitution protects the freedom to assemble and the right of um, free exercise of religion, right? And um, then the ruling doesn't seem to actually support that, right? Uh, and even in the majority opinion, so it was a 6-3 to three decision, um, the majority opinion even said that um, they expect this to cause problems for churches and schools of religious affiliation um, because now it opens them up um, for greater suits for discriminating, uh, especially for one's sexual preference. Right? Um, the world is not becoming an easier place to live in, it's becoming worse. That isn't to say that we don't fight for liberty and we don't fight for uh, or, or seek to defend our uh, right to hold the faith in its purity, um, but we don't expect our government to actually support us in that. It did for a long time. Um, it's not going to be easier. It's going to get harder. And so there, yeah, there'll be enough trouble today and tomorrow. Um, you can look forward to more lawsuits and more decisions and making life more difficult. Um, but what Jesus would have you do here is 34. Don't worry about it <laughs> because the great tomorrow, the great day is coming. Right, and on that day, um, all will be judged, and uh, you will be taken into His kingdom, and be clothed in Him, be fed by Him, all the days of your life. All right, meditation on this text. I thought it would go a little bit shorter today, but oh well, <laughs> more to talk about. All right, meditation. Once more, Jesus speaks of faith. It is the word of God, which supplies the light for faith, the revelation of faith. That word gives us Christ the light that we may see in the darkness and not be cast into eternal darkness. Christ drives out the darkness within our bodies. It is to those who see by this light that Jesus offers his supper, that their whole body might be filled with his light and so share in the heaven where there is no sun, but the Lamb is the light. Eyes which have not been enlightened through God's word are evil. Jesus' body hangs in the midst of darkness that he might become one with us. Faith thrives upon the treasure of the righteousness of Christ bestowed upon us in the forgiveness of sins. Faith treasures the goodness of Christ by which our sinful hearts have been cleansed. The greatest treasure is that given to us by our Father in heaven when he declares us righteous on the account of Christ. Our Creator has marked us with his love 
by clothing us in the righteousness of Christ at our baptism. Likewise, he provides us with the solid food of the body and blood of Christ for us Christians to eat and to drink. These marks stand as a sign of his love and the guarantee that he will always provide what is best for body and soul. Faith does not look to the amount of food, drink, or clothing to determine God's love. Faith sees that the Father provides for all creation, but that his Son became one with us alone. Faith knows that each day in this world brings more evil, but that Christ has overcome all through his suffering, death, and resurrection. Yeah, good comment there in the, in the uh, questions below on Facebook. We can, can't ever make it better until he makes it the way, right? And remember, this world, um, as much of a blessing as it is to us, has been consigned to judgment um, and to destruction on the last day, right? So um, we, we really need to set aside any kind of utopian vision um, for ourselves and ask simply that God withhold or restrain evil amongst us so that uh, we may live for, in love for one another. Hmm. I also thought about uh, the question about the heart being sinful. Um, and maybe it's never struck you this way, but uh, if, it's your, if it's your congregation's practice to uh, pray divine service setting three uh, in Lutheran service book or page 15 in, in the old Lutheran hymnal, um, in that liturgy, every Sunday after the sermon has been preached, the whole congregation prays, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, Psalm 51. So every Sunday we pray that the Lord would cleanse our heart again and renew again a right spirit within us, right? So we have that back and forth of the Christian life. Um, it's a fight to the finish, but the Lord has already won the victory, right? And that's where our faith lies. We trust. Good. Our hymn for this week is to God the Holy Spirit, let us pray. We sing. united we love each other 
every stranger's sister and brother. Lord, have mercy. Transcendent comfort in our every need. Help us neither scorn nor death to heed, that we may not falter nor courage fail us when the fall shall taunt and assail us. Lord, have mercy. Shine in our hearts, O Spirit, precious light. Teach us, Jesus Christ, who that we may abide in the Lord who bought us, till to our true home he has brought us. Lord, have mercy. We confess together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We pray, O God, the strength of all who trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers, and because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do no good thing, grant us your grace to keep your commandments, that we may please you in both will and deed. For Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let's pray for our farmers. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, you give seed to the sower and bread to the, for our tables. Bless our farmers and all who grow and supply our food. They stand at the source of our daily bread. Watch over their fields and their farms. Grant them wisdom in the management of their resources and laborers for their harvest. Give rain and sunshine in due season that we may enjoy the fruits of the earth with thanksgiving to you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns and is bread of life for all. Amen. Let's pray for one another in our vocations. Gracious Lord, you gift and call each of us to lives of service and home, society, and congregation. We are members of a body, a family, a society, woven together in an intricate fabric of interdependent vocations. It is not good for us to be alone, and we see that now more than ever. Forgive the foolish pride of our autonomy 
and renew our vision for community so that we see our place and purpose within the greater tapestry of humanity. We pray this in the name of him who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for the countless many, even Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We pray today for marriage and family, that husbands and wives, parents and children live in ordered harmony according to the word of God, for parents who must rear their children alone, for our communities and neighborhoods. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray for all those who transition to new adventures in life. We pray for our first responders, doctors, nurses, and all those who work in nursing homes and hospitals on the front line of the pandemic. Pray for an end to anxious thoughts and constant worry that God would provide peace and joy in all circumstances. We pray today for those who celebrate their birthday, Natron and Nicholas and Kira. We pray for those who celebrate their baptism today, Ava and Malaya. We pray for those um, who are ill and in need of healing, especially Marcella, Jan, David, Carol, Brad, Janet, Barb, and Carol, Sandy, Linda, Joan, Ken, Aaron, and Marion sister of Ruth. We pray for those who are grieving, especially the Rush family and former pastor of Sherman Center, Robert Lindau, at the death of his wife, Chris. We pray for those who are homebound, Willis and Janice, Mickey and Bev, and we pray for our missionaries, the Federowitz family. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. So glad to have you all with us here today for our congregation at prayer. Um, just as a reminder, if you haven't already done so, uh, please go to our Facebook page and like, follow, and then click on the drop down under follow and say see first. And then you'll be confident that uh, when we're live for daily prayer or like this evening for uh, our Bible study on 1 Corinthians, uh, you'll get a notification. You'll see it at the front of your of your wall on Facebook if that's your platform of choice. If you're on YouTube, um, this might even be a little bit easier. You have to sign up for a YouTube account, um, which is a Google account, by the way. Uh, but it's it's simply, it's a, actually a, a three-step process. Again, you want to um, click like or click subscribe, and then you have to click the bell, and then you have to click on the bell again and say, always notify. <laughs> All right. And that way you'll get notification. I get like a uh, I get a text actually from the app on, or not a text, a message on my phone letting me know uh, when we've gone live. And that, that's a great reminder then uh, you can join us live for prayer. And the blessing of live, as we see here, um, from uh, especially from Chris and Doris and Neil, um, is that uh, you're able to interact 
with us in real time uh, with me. And so that gives me opportunity then um, to answer your questions as we go along. Um, but feel free to post them later on in the day, either on uh, Facebook or on the YouTube video, and then I can respond to them as well there um, after the fact. All right. So again, reminder, this evening, 7.30 p.m. Central, um, join us for our Bible study on 1 Corinthians. We'll be in chapter 9, and we'll be talking about uh, Paul's apostolic office and how that supports um, his instruction on them uh, with regards to eating of meat sacrificed to idols. So all sorts of fun stuff there, but really relevant um, to our day and age as well. So we'll make that application for you. Lord be with you all. We'll see you tonight.